in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Peltner. In today's program, I will introduce to you a German immigrant who you might even know. Just think of Amadeus or recently Bottle Shock. So stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The news with Nina Paula. Hannover. The German government apparently knew about the nuclear problems at the Acid 2 atomic storage facility. A report published in Germany's Focus magazine alleges that authorities in the state of Lower Saxony were aware of safety issues 15 years ago. It says that at that time experts had already warned that up to 4000 liters of water were flooding into the mine's shafts each day. The extent of the safety problems at Asse were made public in the last weeks. Berlin. Germany has pledged to boost funding for civilian reconstruction projects in Afghanistan. Development Minister Vicerek Zoll promised an additional 30 million euros. She said this would raise German aid to the embattled country to 170 million euros for 2008. Vicerek Zoll made the announcement in Berlin during a visit by the Afghan foreign minister. She said Germany was committed to provide long-term aid for Afghanistan's poorest citizens. Genf. Along the Swiss-French border, a major physics project has started successful. International scientists recreated the conditions of the Big Bang, which many believe created the universe. They are using what is said to be the most complex machine ever made. The Large Hadron Collider fires energy particles through a 27-kilometer-long circular tunnel. The particles are to collide with each other at close to the speed of light. Scientists are hoping this will reveal new subatomic particles, which would give them major new insights into the nature of the universe. Berlin The German Social Democrats are still in a big crisis. The outgoing leader of the SPD, Kurt Beck, has accused party colleagues of deliberately undermining his authority by consciously feeding the media false information. He said that he had expected to go into next year's federal elections with himself as party chairman. Media speculation had left him no choice but to resign. Former Vice-Chancellor and SPD-Leader Franz Müntefering will be elected as old and new SPD-Leader in October. Los Angeles. The German pop sensation Tokyo Hotel continue with their triumphal procession. The four boys from East Germany won the Best Newcomer Award at the MTV Video Music Awards. They were honored for their post-apocalyptic style music video for the song Ready, Set, Go. Since Tokyo Hotel was formed in Magdeburg in 2001, they first became popular in Germany. After starting to sing more in English, Tokyo Hotel's international popularity has been growing rapidly, with large fan bases in France, Belgium and even now in the US. Over the years being in the US, I have met a lot of German immigrants and I'm always interested in their stories, 
where they're from, how and why they got here, and how life treated them in the new world. Most of the stories have something in common. German immigrants came over here to live out the dream of a new beginning and to make it somehow. A couple of weeks ago I met Karl-Heinz Teuber and his story is fascinating. He works as a hairdresser and realized his big dream to become an actor. Lately he was in the movie Bottle Shock. He's the German at the airport. My name is Karl-Heinz Teuber and um, I'm living here 30 years in San Francisco. And um, I am born um, 1900, what did you say? <laughs> uh, I'm born 1937 on the 2nd of February and uh, I'm 71 years old now and um, I'm healthy and alive and uh, have uh, lived my dreams, <laughs> which I had as a child already. Yeah, I'm coming from Silesia, also es war früher Schlesien, It used to be Schlesien, and now it's called Silesia, and there I was born. And um, 1946, we had to, um, we were refugees, and we were thrown out of this country um, um, from the Polish people. You know, the whole area had to leave there, and we came into uh, East Germany first, and then to uh, West Germany. Silesia was a very nice uh, place there, very small, and uh, I had this feeling when we had to escape and everybody was on this mountain there and looking back to our house and they were crying and waving and I was sitting on this transport, you know, this horse and carriage and our little things, what we were able to take out and everybody looked there and was crying and I thought, oh, thank God, out of here. I had such a drive as a child, um, really, I didn't know what I was thinking, but my intuitive, my, uh, my feeling was there, I, I want to do something, I want to get out of there, yeah. And recently, this year with my cousin, we were there and I said to him, oh, Joachim, before we are getting too old, let's go there one more time together. He was separately there with his wife and I was separately with other people. Uh, and uh, so we went there and, um, yeah, and I filmed everything. So I took my little camera along and uh, this was quite exciting to see and we went back to the same place to the same spot when I was nine years old and they got out of here so I said oh thank you God in heaven I'm out of here and thank you everything became so beautiful yeah is this little village still home for him the place where his roots are oh no 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 oh this is totally gone I, I'm really really happy that that the political situation was like this that they threw us out yes thank you God in heaven it was a tough time for my mother and for for people and uh, uh, we met then later on my father in Braunschweig and uh, um, and they had to get uh, to know each other again, you know, and uh, we didn't have anything. We lived in one room for a while together, um, and then later on we had two rooms, and this was the beginning till I was 21. I lived in this situation, you know, and had to learn uh, business. Uh, I always wanted to become a hairdresser and a film actor, and I was not allowed to do this when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. And, um, you know, no, no. You have to become something better. We want to make a businessman out of you. So I was a little boy and uh, so I had to follow my parents. The times were very hard, 1952. And um, so I uh, followed them and I was so happy to get a job as a Lehrling, you know, as a super, no, what is called Lehrling, apprenticeship. 
uh, yeah, as, as business, it was awful. I had to do all kinds of work and was basically uh, for the company a cheap, a cheap uh, worker, you know, to get all the stuff together, what we had to do there, yeah. But finally, it was time for Karl-Heinz Teuber to realize his dream to become a hairdresser. Oh, this uh, long time. From Braunschweig, I went and got my first job uh, away from this company. And uh, I used to work for Jakobs Cafe Wunderbar. <laughs> this was for 10 months and then they fired me. <laughs> and I really didn't want to do this. <laughs> I wanted to be in a big city, you know, and have nightlife and, and doing uh, start living my life, you know. And uh, so um, they fired me. And then I worked for Most. M-O-S-T, and this was a very famous uh, sweet uh, uh, chocolate business. You know, probably Nuremberg was also most, I suppose. So. They had 125 shops all over Germany. And, um, uh, yeah, they started, and this was very nice for me because... Uh, I was able to go into different cities um, in Germany, so I learned to get to know Germany and different cities. And this was also for me quite exciting, you know. And then I was in Berlin in the end, and then they wanted to send me to Aachen to build up another shop for them. I did mines already and a shop in Berlin, and so as a manager, um, I had two, three sales girls there and had to do the display, uh, window display and ordering the stuff and make sure the business goes up and up and up, you know. So, um, but then after eight and a half years, I had also so enough in Berlin. I said, I cannot take it anymore. I have to get out and one day I will never forget this. And uh, it was summer, nobody came and bought chocolates and I was standing there in the shop and I went outside uh, on, on where the entrance, the streets were empty, and I was screaming over the, uh, I need to scream, so I screamed over the other side of the street, said, God in heaven, please take me out of here, I cannot take it anymore, hold me, <laughs> in German, I said, nobody was watching, and they, probably people saw me, I talked to somebody on the street, so, so anyway, if somebody there would have told me, I'm getting quite emotional when I think about it, uh, that I will be once in America, that I will do German, uh, will speak English, uh, that I will have a fabulous apartment in San Francisco, that I have been in so many movies, and one of the greatest was Amadeus, um, and that I become a hairdresser, and that I will be working 10 years for Vidal Sassoon, and all this sort of thing. I would not have believed it. So I can say... Uh, I'm actually quite happy with my life, you know. I could not dream so far how everything came came to me, you know. So yeah. He left Most and worked for a while as a night train conductor. But then things changed again for Karl-Heinz Teuber. And then came really the desire, came through, you need to learn English and you have to go to London. And it's happened that I met somebody there in Oak van Holland, a guy from Austria, he lived in London and... Um, I told him the story, and he said, yeah, I can get you a room where I am living. I said, oh, that sounds good. And then um, I arranged, uh, had another friend in London. I said, send me some addresses. So he sent me an address from um, Schmitz uh, on Charlotte Street. This was a German delicatessen shop, and they 
always looked for German people. And uh, I had a fabulous resume from Most, and he loved Most. So he got me an, uh, a working permission, which was very difficult at this time. So I had my working permission to London, and I was so happy. I sold then my, uh, my little apartment, which I had there in Berlin, and, um, and moved to London and was selling sausages there. <laughs> and then I did not like it there because I thought, I'm here, everybody speaks German, what shall I do here, you know, but everybody wanted to go anyway out there. And then I heard Liberties of London, a very famous, very fabulous textile business. They were looking for people. And I went there and I got a job. Because, again, from my background, I was in this textile wholesale, uh, wholesale thing there for six years, you know. So they knew that I was familiar with textiles, so I got a fabulous shop in Liberty, London, on Regent Street. Oh, this was, Harrods um, is a name, or, you know, and so this was the same thing, a little bit different. They had their own prints, the famous Liberty prints, and so, and I felt really, really fabulous. Ne? So in there I was three and a half years, and... Um, and uh, learned my English and met some people, you know, and we went to school and to uh, learned my English. I was not great talented in, in learning languages, but this is, you see, what you have here. <laughs> That's me. I call it with my Berlin-Oxford English, you know. <laughs> so, uh, and then one evening, and this is the greatest... Uh, moment in my life, uh, I went as usual um, to uh, home in the subway in the evening and, uh, and there was sitting me, a guy, it's always very crowded there, you know, like we are sitting here and he had this long blonde hair and this was 70 and he looked like Jesus and I looked at him and I said, Jesus, he looks like Jesus, this is very strange. <laughs> so anyway, and I had to go out, he followed me and said, uh, hello, I said, hello, um, uh, and then um, he wanted to do something, you know, and then I said, oh, yeah, we can go for a drink, and so, so we went for a drink, and then he told me that he is here from um, Canada with a friend together, and they are both hairdressers, and, uh, and he found out, of course, with my German English that I'm not uh, English, um, and from German, so we had nice contact and talking, and he said, oh, tomorrow you will meet my friend. We always, we, we, know, we don't know anybody here, so we would like to get to know people. I said, okay, fine. So we met, and then we went into the German beer keller in London and got totally <laughs> drunk. I will never forget this. But we became very good friends, and he moved in also in my apartment where I was living because they were not happy in this apartment where they were uh, staying there. So, and then I told them my story that I always wanted to become a hairdresser. And I felt, ach, yeah, I was not so happy with this business thing. And then he said, oh, you can do this. You uh, can come to us to Canada and we have schools there. They came in, they moved into the apartment and we had for three, four months really a high time there, you know. Uh, <laughs> we celebrated Christmas together. Nobody had money and we fixed all kinds of things together and got total wasted there <laughs> and put holes in the, ear, in the ears, you know, to have earrings 
things. This was to this time uh, 70, a big thing, you know, so uh, it was wild. Anyway, they wanted to go back to Canada and they sent me forms to go to the hairdressing school there. And I said, oh, I was not so young anymore, shall I do this or not? Um, I said, yes, I'm doing it. You know, I asked my mother, I said, I don't have so much money and I have to live there for nine months. Can you help me out there? She said, okay, fine. So I moved to Canada, to Toronto, and went to the hairdressing school. And uh, she sent me 1,000 Deutschmark every month. And I had a little studio there and lived there and um, learned to be a hairdresser. And I said, oh my goodness, what have I done here? And it was ice cold in Toronto and so. But I met nice people there and I had a good time. But the important thing, and here it comes, in the school, there was a guy from London and he was manager at Vilal Sassoon. His name is Philip Thompson. And he asked me if I could, after the school, work for Vilal Sassoon. And this was absolutely my dream, 19, beginning of the 60s, 70s. Vilal Sassoon was the greatest guy on, in, in here in the whole wide world, you know. And I was standing always in school. I went, um, uh, there was intermission in school. I went always to the shop of or salon for Vilal Sassoon, saw the beautiful pictures. And said, oh, how do they do here? Then in the, in the beauty school, we had to learn something totally different, you know, teasing uh, the hair and putting rollers in and to the old ladies, <laughs> blue ladies, <laughs> and, and, and this was so fascinating for me. I had also once in, in Vidal Sassoon in London a haircut, and this was the best haircut of my life. I photographed it even, this was a double exposure, it was magical. So anyway, to this time I still had hair, it's not so much left anymore. So Vidal Sassoon was the, 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 the great name, and I thought, oh, if I would like to work for them, this would be so nice. But then suddenly immigration changed, and I couldn't stay any longer there, only finish my, my school there. So, and then uh, he said, if you want, go to London to school, and um, this would be much better than if you work here in the salon in Toronto, this would be about uh, nine months, a uh, year apprenticeship time, and basically I have to do shampoos and all this stuff. Go there, and then you know it. And so and this is what I had to do and did. Went to London and went to school there for three months to learn the Vidal Sassoon haircutting technique and absorb the whole idea what Vidal Sassoon is all about. And there it happened that they wanted to open in Munich the first salon for Vidal Sassoon. And, um, and they had one guy and he didn't want to be the manager. So they came and asked me if I could be the manager for them. And I was totally shaken, uh, shaky still, you know. Uh, I was just new in this field. I did not have any great experience in doing clients, just models always and from school to school. I mean, you need years of experience in order to be really good. So, but I had um, the right age. I, I spoke two languages and um, was just the right person for them, you know. So, uh, and so I became manager of the first Vidal Sassoon Salon um, in, in Europe, or in, in, in Germany. After opening stores in Düsseldorf and Hamburg, he wanted to go to Hawaii to work there for the company. But he had to make a stop in San Francisco to get his papers in order. 
I had to come here first in order to do my license and also to wait till they open the salon and the school in Hawaii. Yeah? So I came here and did the, 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 my license and left in a company apartment, but then they said suddenly, uh, suddenly we will not open Hawaii and the school. We uh, put all our energy in the products and she developed a big product line, you know, shampoo, conditioner, not more conditioner and all this sort of thing. But then suddenly going back to my friends in Toronto now, and one of those is hair, um, hairdresser for movies and he also wanted to live here and we had nice contact and said, um, oh, I got this offer to do hair and makeup for the movie Amadeus. And I thought, oh, this is yeah interesting. Then I heard there's this play on Broadway uh, by Peter Schaeffer. And um, um, I said, yeah, take it. Oh, I have not done this, this great thing. Yes, I have done for me. But this is such a great uh, thing with so many wigs and so many the period piece. And, and so and I said to him, oh, I think you will get it. You know, you will do it. Uh, I said, I have a fabulous fortune teller. So we went to this fortune teller and she told him already everything what really happened, you know, that Amadeus will be the best movie of the year. She figured this out in numerology, this is a complete, uh, complete number of a 10. And, um, and then I said, of course, to my friend Paul, I did 10 years without Sassoon. <laughs> I said, can you not take me out here? I want to be assistant or something like this. I would like to experience the, this movie world, you know, which I was always dreaming of when I was a little boy already. I played the theater uh, with friends and did this and had a little camera at home, you know, so kind of uh, projector at, at home already, you know, and when, when I was a little boy and when there a picture show was you know, probably every half year and we had to go to the other bigger town, I was so fascinated was my greatest thing uh, uh, always to, to see movies, yeah? And then, um, and he took me and he said, uh, no, 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 uh, this is only me and uh, hairdresser from Czechoslovakia and uh, this is, wouldn't work. But then he was there and suddenly he phoned me and said, do you want to come over to Czechoslovakia and be my assistant there? And I said, yeah, I was a little bit sick and tired of Vidal Sassoon, you know, 10 years, almost 10 years with the company. And so I quit Vidal Sassoon. It was a tough thing for me. It's like losing mother and father, basically. You know, when you are so used to it, somebody's taking care of you and you put so much energy in and did so much for the company. It's a very delicate divorce here, you know. So, but there I went um, to Czechoslovakia and... Uh, uh, and I saw this big world of making movies, no? and um, yeah, and so I got used to it and worked on the set and do hair and makeup. And then the day came where um, there was a certain scene in the movie, they were not quite sure what they are doing with it. The script was also not completed, yeah, and then... Uh, uh, I said, uh, well, well, my friend first wanted to be in the scene because Mozart goes and buys wigs. And um, so I said, um, uh, yeah, do you think I can do it or shall I do it if you don't want? So anyways, went forwards and backwards and then somebody said to Milos Forman, the, the director, uh, Carl would, be, would like to be in, in the scene, you know. And then <laughs> one evening we did night shooting, he asked 
to come to him. So he said, do you think you can do this, uh, being an actor? And, the, and I said, uh, don't worry, everything will be fine. I had no idea what I was saying. <laughs> he said, oh, go and go and get the makeup and hair, uh, 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 and uh, the costume, and so. And a few days came, and suddenly I, I, we knew on this day, on the 19th of April, uh, 83, I will never have had this day. <laughs> and suddenly we got the call sheet, you know, and uh, the scene was there. So anyway, they were driving me separately. Everybody had their own driver. So Tom Holtz had a driver, Mozart and I. They picked me up with a car and was driving me to hair and makeup, where I always worked. And somebody else did the little bit makeup and we put the costume on and everything. So I went there. Still, I didn't know what to say and what to do. And uh, I knew the scene. I knew... Uh, um, how shall I say, uh, what Mozart about had to say, and uh, uh, I was there, went there, and I said, I don't know, see what happens. Yeah? So, and then uh, they built a beautiful little shop there, and um, and I thought, oh, nice. And so I went in and familiarized myself with everything and touched everything, and the first assistant director said, oh, Carl, you are doing very well. And I didn't know to this time what it really meant, you know. Um, that my intuition came through and you have to get familiar with this, really to become this person which will be working in there or creating this, this character. Um, and then, so the scene started and, uh, yeah, I was standing there, looked good, but this was all. And then Milo said, say something. I said, what do you want me to say? I mean, there was no lines for me in the script. Oh, say beautiful and say this. And uh, he was very rough, in, in this, but he's a fabulous man. So anyway, I started saying something and nothing really worked, you know. Um, and suddenly somebody said, it's lunch! Okay, so we went out for lunch and always we drink beer there. So after an hour we came back and still I was standing there. And then he said, um, uh, you know how to do it, you do long enough here. I said, that is true, um, you are right, you know. So, okay, fine. So I felt a little bit more relaxed now. I knew the first shock was over. So I start doing something and felt quite relaxed and good. And suddenly, after the first take, uh, people were laughing behind the, the, the camera. And I thought, mm, they like it. It must be right what am I doing, you know? So I carried on, and everything was a little bit different, and, and so. And uh, then we, we finished the whole day, and then Milo seemed to be very happy with that. And, and I was also happy. And I thought, okay, fine, whatever, you know. And then a few days later, they saw the dailies. Um, the, today you can see it immediately, but to this time it was not like this. And they all liked it very much. It, uh, and in the morning then, I went again to my makeup and hair department uh, office there, and suddenly he was screaming out of his office, Carl! I said, yes, oh God in Himmel, did I do something wrong, you know? He said, I just want to tell you, it came out, it came out like this. I said, oh, I'm very happy that I could make you happy, you know? And, uh, yeah, and then so this, this was it with this scene, and... Uh, and we carried on. I was working there half year, and then they added the whole thing here in Berkeley together at Soul Sense. And then one day uh, they asked me to come over for a voiceover, or yeah, kind of voiceover fixing certain things. But in the meantime, I went already to acting classes here, so I uh, 
had a little bit more idea. So I went over there and suddenly I saw myself, uh, it was a black and white copy, the working copy, on the big screen and there was my scene almost a year later. I thought, I don't believe this. I don't believe it, you know. And uh, so I did my voiceover stuff there and one said, oh, you are so good, you are so good. And I said, oh, oh. But they didn't use it afterwards, but <laughs> anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, this was very exciting for me. And then the movie came out. And then, this was in September, 19th of September was the opening, and I went Christmas then to Germany, to Berlin. And there I went with my friend Ulrich, and we went uh, near Bahnhof Zoo. There is this big Gloria cinema, or whatever it's called, where always the film fest and they played Amadeus. I said, Amadeus, let's have a look. And suddenly was my photo there. And I thought, I don't believe it. <laughs> so it makes me so emotional. It was such a highlight in my life, you know, that this photo um, went around the whole wide world and, uh, and of course, the other Amadeus photo. And the, the Oscar won eight Oscars. We got also an Oscar for for this hair and makeup department, and um, it was one of the best movies ever made. And this was, of course, such a high in my life. Suddenly, my childhood's dream to become an actor um, came through to this fabulous movie. You know. Karl-Heinz Teuber has worked in the meantime on many movies, the latest one Bottle Shock, in which he plays a German at the airport who takes one of the California wine bottles over to Europe for the famous wine contest. He's still working in San Francisco as a hairdresser and you can find out more about him and his movies. Just Google him, Karl-Heinz Teuber, T-E-U-B-E-R. That was today's Radio Goethe magazine. Thanks for listening and please find us online at radiogoethe.org and subscribe to our free podcast. I'm Arndt Peltner. <laughs>